Here are the same nation standing on the parameters of Jericho. And they have to subdue it. They have to come into it and claim it. It's impossible. They don't have dynamite. They don't have the, 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 the weapons of, of our military warfare that we have. And they have this huge wall that stands between them and this city. But God visits Joshua and shows him how possible it is. My friends, whatever we're facing right now, it isn't as big as our God. There's nothing he cannot do. If we will just believe that, that's the difference between seeing his victory and living in defeat. And guess which one God wants for us? It isn't defeat. Praise God. Can you hear this tonight? Is that encouraging? Yeah. This is, this is God's will for his people. It always has been and it always will be. And God wants us to see heaven on earth. Heaven in our lives, in our homes, in our relationships, in our workplaces, in what we do for him. That heaven is the dominant factor. And not sin. Not our own feelings. Not what the world says. But God's word. Amen. Praise God. Well, hallelujah. We, we, we're going to continue our conversation with God. We, we started way back in January talking to him about hunger. You remember? And we continue that into February. And I've got just a, a, a reminder for us of some of the things that God spoke back to us as we met together uh, last month for prayer. We'll go through those in a moment. Just while I'm thinking about it, next month, which is April, of course, we will be having another uh, time of prayer with fasting. We're, we're going to do this four times a year, every three months. And so next month, there will be two prayer and praise evenings, one at the beginning of those seven days and one at the end uh, and I can't remember the dates. And is there, do we have walking calendars? Um, I think it's the 19th. I think it's the 19th and the 26th. Um, so please go, go to your calendars when you get home and put in. It will be the third and the fourth Saturday. And sandwiched in between is going to be a beautiful time where we have a time of prayer with fasting. And we really seek God again. So let's, let's just remind ourselves of some of the things that God spoke to us uh, last month. Uh, these were some verses that God uh, reminded us of. And, and uh, therefore, we, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Uh, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day, inwardly. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an external glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, because that's eternal. Oh, that's such a, an important principle for us as disciples of Jesus. Not to be influenced and driven 
and dictated to by the seen, but rather by what is eternal, the unseen. Because that which is unseen, God Almighty, is above that which is seen. Everything that we experience naturally is subject to change. Mm -hmm. You you can go to to the doctor next week. Please don't do this, of course. And, And he could diagnose you with a terminal illness. That's seen. Are you ill? Well, the the tests say you are. But what is unseen, which is the power of God to heal, changes that which is seen. You may be in a financial difficulty right now. The unseen can change the seen. That which God speaks, that which God says. If we will hunger and depend upon that. Next verse. Out of Hebrews 12, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. He begins that faith in our hearts He completes it within us. Let's not start a faith journey and then try try to take over ourselves. Uh, let's, let's, Let's keep depending and hungering after Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How could Jesus go through that? Because he put his faith, his trust in God and God's word in his father. He knew the end. He knew and trusted in God. A few other things that God spoke to us. He reminded us how that we need to, if we've moved away from our first love, when we, we first got born again, and that. Love was so fresh, sometimes we move away from that. In our hunger for him, we need to return to that. And, and again, when we're freshly born again, uh, isn't it true that often we see God doing some amazing things then? Miracles, we, maybe we hear him speak to us clearly. We feel his presence, we sense his direction. But for some reason, that can, in our experience, seem to to get lost, but I believe it doesn't need to. In fact, I believe that it it can increase as we hunger more after God, as our focus is on Him. Two scriptures that God spoke to us, Exodus 33, 14, and He said this was where, where Moses is having a conversation with God. He says, God says to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses was a great leader of the children of Israel. He knew how to seek God in, at all times. And they, they were in this situation where, where Moses had to lead them forward, but he knew he could not do it on his own. And so God promised 
that he would go with them. And out of Psalm 34.10, the young lions, they lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. There's a promise as we seek the Lord. Hunger for him, thirst for him. We will never lack any good thing. It is amen. Let it be. That's true. That's a promise of God. An absolute promise of God. So let's move on to our our next slide. Just want to... I haven't spoken to Grace about this, so if I need to, I apologize. Grace has, has written out for us a testimony of what God has recently been working in her life concerning a, a, a miraculous healing. And we'll let her tell you that if you've not heard about it. A true miracle with medical evidence. And we had the joy of taking that evidence just a couple of weeks ago to the, the professor who treated and was looking after Grace while she was in hospital last July. And the staff there were, were just overjoyed once they could comprehend what we were showing them. And the professor, God bless him, was just a little bit speechless. Um, but he's, he's a tremendous man. He's a wonderful doctor and uh, extremely supportive. But we just wanted to give testimony to what God had done. And in writing out her testimony, Grace wrote this line here. She said, I, in that time where she was, in that moment of having to know what to do, here was a life-threatening situation. On one hand is an option to go with the medical advice, but she also knows that, that God has a voice on healing. And for her to move forward, it wasn't a case of, okay, what's, what's the majority of the idea that I should go with? She had to hear for herself. She had to seek God. And, 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 and she was nine days in hospital. And in those nine days seeking God, she got to this pl- place where she said, I couldn't be relaxed about hearing God, about hearing from him or not. I needed to seek him until I heard him. Wow. There is a powerful truth there. And, and in order to encourage us not to, not to put us down, how often do we get relaxed about hearing God? Hmm? Does it have to be a, a life-threatening situation that we find ourselves in? Or... Are we able to see within us develop this, this, this nature that will seek God and it will continue to pursue him and hunger for him and it will do that until it hears his voice. And that was what Moses said. God, if you don't come with us, if your presence is not with us, we're not moving. We are not moving from this place. And it's that... That determined hunger within us. Physical hunger is a great force. It's amazing what people will do to get food when they're hungry. It's amazing what they'll eat when normally they wouldn't eat those things. But spiritual hunger for God needs to be that force within us that causes us to seek God until we find him. And we want to move on a little bit tonight. And talk about being hungry for his indwelling. 
his indwelling. Not satisfied with God on the outside. Yeah? And just watching as he does miraculous things. They're, they're amazing. But we're, we're, we're moving on and embracing that hunger for his indwelling. But we're hungry for him to dwell within us. To overtake us. Now there's some strong words that we're going to be reading here tonight from these quotes. And consume our whole being. Are we hungry for that? Hungry for him to take over from us in running our lives and what we do. Hungry that his glory, not ours, would be manifest in our lives. So... In your hearts, can you grasp this concept? We're not just considering being hungry for those external things that go on around us. But now we're hungry for the indwelling of God. Let's move on. In the Old Testament times, this was not possible. That God would dwell within people. It was always an external relationship. God would dwell in his house, the temple. He would be witnessed within the pillar of cloud and of fire, for example. He was met within the tent of meeting in in Joshua's time. The high priest would enter his presence, the Holy of Holies, but once a year. He was heard by Elijah as a small, still voice. His power was seen in the miraculous And he would visit man in a number of different forms. As you read the Old Testament, you see how this was was man's experience of God. But it was not indwelling. Let's move on. David even declared that the thing he desired above all else was to dwell in the presence of God forever. I think that's Psalm 34 or 37. But not that God would dwell in him. Can you see the distinction here? Uh huh. Psalm 27 says, verse 4. And that, that's where that's from, sorry. Psalm 27, verse 4. But we can know the indwelling of God. Not just God working outside and affecting us, but God dwelling in us. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, as recorded in John 14, Jesus said this, the spirit of truth, whom the world outside of God cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but now he's speaking to his disciples, and and we are his disciples, But you know him, for he dwells with you and will, some translations put always in there, and will always be with you. Can you see this amazing change that takes place from the old covenant, the Old Testament way of of man connecting with God and the new which is made available through Jesus Christ as our spirit comes alive 
to the Spirit of God that we are now the dwelling place of God. I think three occasions Paul says this in his writings. Don't you know that your bodies are the temples of the living God? So God is not just external, but he is internal. He chooses to make his dwelling place our lives. I I just pray that that truth would come alive inside of us tonight so let's move on so here must be the truth the spirit of God already dwells within every believer so our prayer is is not that he comes and makes our life his home because he's already done that that the bible says in 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 Acts chapter 2, when Peter is preaching, he talks about receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he says that happens when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he becomes our saviour and our Lord. God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Other scriptures tells us of the Holy Spirit that he is that witness within us by by how we call out Abba, Father. Another scripture says he is like a a, a guarantee, a down payment. And, And the Holy Spirit, God, God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, has been given to every disciple of Jesus. So, just go back please, one Amanda. Not two, just one. There we go. One more. We're on the wrong way. Can we go the other way? Uh, Back one. There we go. Wonderful. So our prayer is not that he comes and makes our life his home because he's already been given to us. Can you see that? We don't need to pray that. (laughs) Because it's already happened. We're we're not trying to persuade him to come. Because he's already here. You may like to look at your neighbor and say. You already have the Holy Spirit living in you. Amen. Well praise God. (laughs) It's true. I know we sing come Holy Spirit. and, and, And things like that. But we already have him. Now let's move on. It would be the same as. A starving man, truly starving, who has just eaten a wholesome meal, believing that he might still die of starvation, is the same as us not realizing that the Holy Spirit is in us. We have him. It, it might be the same as a man who, of financial ruin who has just been given into his hands All the money he needs for the rest of his life, still going and begging for his food. We we don't need to say, oh, Holy Spirit, come, 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 come. Because he's in there. Yeah? It would be like a released prisoner continuing to live as though he was already, or, or continuing to be locked away from society. 
Just some pictures there. So our hunger for God must be that in absolutely every way, he fulfills our every need. Because he's with us. Amen? Amen. Whatever circumstances we are in, because God is with us, he can and he will fulfill every need. That we turn first and only to him. And we call upon his name to save us. You may say, that's a strange thing. Can you turn first and only? Well, yes. If you turn to him first, then you'll find that he's everything you need and you won't need to turn somewhere else. I think it's a good policy as as disciples of Jesus to follow the example of God who never has plan B. God only has one plan. In terms of our salvation, there was only one plan and that was Jesus Christ. I believe that if we follow that example as disciples... That whenever we find we have a need, we only have one plan, and that plan is God. But don't try to make up backup plans, because I'll tell you what will happen. You'll go to that, and it won't become a backup plan. It will be your first plan. Faith never has a backup plan. Faith never has a backup plan. Well, I'll, 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 I'll try God, and if that doesn't work, then I'll, I'll try something else. Mm. That's not faith. That's hope, that's wish, that's uh, an idea, but it isn't faith. Faith never has a backup plan. Never has a plan B. Might as well just say it the way it is. Said there'd be some strong words. Don't think we quite finished, have we, on that one? That we wait on him until we know he has spoken or acted. My friends, this, this, if I can be honest with you, this is my prayer for us as a church. That in our prayer life, this is where we will get to. Jesus, it says in Hebrews, I think chapter 5 or 7. 5. It says that even he, in his prayer, cried out with vehement cries. Because he knew that his father was the only one that could save him. And he would pray until he knew the will of God. I pray, I pray, and I'm asking for myself, of course, that as a church we become that type of praying people. That we will not move away from God until we know we have heard him. We're like that persistent widow that we read of in the Gospels who tugged and knocked and begged until that judge gave her an answer. Can you hear hear these words tonight? That we may get to this place, that we wait on him until we know he has spoken or acted. Why would we move? If God is the one who will give us the answer, then why would we move? Oh, Oh, God is not going to speak. Now, that, that was the words that the prophets of Baal used. They, they were crying out to their so-called gods. And, and, as, and they gave up because it didn't work. They prayed and cried all day. 
But we don't have a God like that. We have a God who hears, listens, responds, and will speak into our hearts. But sometimes, for whatever reason it is that God has to work something within us, we need that tenacity and that persistence that doesn't stop until we've heard what God says. Here's another faith statement. Faith never gives in. It never has a plan B and it never gives in. And please don't take this as criticism. If your prayers, if your faith has a plan B, does give in, does it mean you're useless and you're not a Christian? Absolutely not. Let's take a hold of God's word and ask him to work these things in us. But more than this, more than this, more than God being absolutely everything we need, more than turning to him first and only, more than waiting for him until we get his answer, that in and through us, he brings about his purpose and his will to the earth. And what is his will? That all men everywhere should be saved. From my experience, there is one prayer that I pray that God answers so quickly. And that is when I pray about the gospel. And God's word is so clear and so strong and so powerful. Because this is his will for this world that we live in. That all men everywhere should be saved. And that we should be engaged in the work, the holy work of of taking the gospel and making disciples of all nations. Whether that's in our work, home, relaxation place or across the seas. That through us, the power of God is manifest. Through us, his will is revealed. His power to save is made known. That's what these lives are about. Are we hungry for that? Oh, that we, we're not just hungry for what we need. We're not just hungry for what we want. But we're hungry. We're hungry for God's will to be done through us. That we will surrender ourselves to his purposes. Earlier in the year, I wrote this letter out. You may have, you may have received this letter. If you were a potential focus group leader... Then you did, because these words were in a letter that I penned to you. And I said this, as we stand at the beginning of 2013, may God fill our heart with his will and purpose for our life and his church. Our world is in crisis on almost every front. And we sense the darkness of sin choking the life out of God's creation. It is time for us to arise and shine For our light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. May the light of God's love rage within us. May it radiate out into the darkness and extinguish that darkness by God's power. May God's glory be a living reality for us all. And something those still lost in sin are drawn to. Next one. 
Jesus watched multitudes around him and he saw that they were like wandering and scattered sheep with no one to lead them to God. It's just a classic picture of our world today. As he, his heart broke for those people, he gave his disciples an instruction. He said, pray. That's what came out of Jesus' mouth. Pray for laborers who will go into the harvest field and gather the ripe harvest. And later on, he sent them as well. He sent them to be laborers and they went. They went and most of them didn't stop until they had died. Because the same compassion Jesus felt for the lost was burning in them too. What, what is the response of Jesus today as he looks and sees the multitudes of our time lost in darkness of sin? Surely he still says to us, pray for laborers. Surely he still says to us, go and make disciples. What will be our response at this time I'd like us to to take the rest of our time praying talking about hunger for God where hunger becomes hunger for God consumes us where God becomes everything in us not just for us but in us and being prepared that God God's hunger for souls, God's great love for this world would be something that, that generates within us an, a reaction. That we don't live for ourselves, we don't live for what we want, but we live for God's purposes. I want you to ask yourself as you enter into prayer, where is, where is that hunger level in me? Don't be condemned by whatever level you, you sense it's at, but rather take the conviction of the Holy Spirit as you pray. And pray that God brings into our hearts as individuals and as a church a hunger for God that we will never let go of. A hunger for His working in our life. A hunger that our lives would bear His glory. Bear testimony of His greatness. Bear witness to, to His almighty power. And that through that and from that place there would be within us this same hunger for souls, for the will of God, the purposes of God, that Jesus Christ and then his 12 disciples had in their hearts. History tells us that most of them became martyrs for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was an expression of their deep hunger for God's purposes to be worked through them. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. In other words, my life is, is given to manifest the works of God as they were through Christ. So let's take these, these 
last, this last 30 minutes or so. And sometimes we, we get a circle and pray. This time I, I think we just, just between us and God. I just want to encourage you to really let that, that hunger form within you. And, and, and if you're not used to praying for 30 minutes, then here's a, here's a good practice. Don't be distracted. Just let your, your heart be taken up with the Spirit of God. Let Him direct you in your prayers. Get before Him and seek what God would put into your heart to ask. Amen.